So thank you for being here. We are excited about what we have going on today. This is the last Sunday of our Blessed Life series. So just to kind of step back a little bit and kind of look behind us, we talked about um, a heart of generosity and that there's just so much in the Word of God about God blessing your life when you live generously. And then we talked about the blessed test, how God has given us a test with how we treat money and what we do with money is a direct reflection on what our relationship and what our priorities are. And so that's what we talked about uh, in the second week. And then this week, we're going to be talking about this beautiful truth called a heart of service. And there is a scripture that I want to read with you um, in the book of John chapter 13, where Jesus was giving his disciples an incredible example. And he actually said these words in John chapter 13, verse 17. He said, if you know these things, happy, and that's the same word that we see elsewhere in the New Testament, blessed. So happy are you, or blessed are you, if you do them. So to kind of give you a little bit of background here, let's kind of read through John chapter 13. There was just more words than I wanted to put up on the screen. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading through the first portion of John chapter 13. If you don't, there are some great apps out there for your phone that allow you to read through the Bible. You can have your phone app out or your tablet app out. And, and John chapter 13 is, is going to be where I'm going to be reading from. And we're going to skip over a few of the verses, but we're going to land back on verse 17 there. Now, before the feast of the Passover, so you see the timing here. You've got Jesus is about to go to the Passover, celebrate the Passover with, with his disciples. That's what we had just celebrated was the Lord's Supper. That's when all of that took place. So we're kind of towards the end of the life of Christ here. When Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them until the end. And supper being ended... The devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, and here's the key, verse 4, he rose up, or he riseth up from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. What a strange practice. This was the Son of God washing the feet of his followers. And then there's six verses here, verses 6 through 11, that Peter and Jesus kind of go back and forth, and they have this discourse where Peter, being the impetuous one, says, no, you don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't, then anyway, you can read yourself. But there's this huge discourse that goes on. And then we're going to pick up in verse 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know you what I've done unto you? Do you know what just happened here? You call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. And then there's that verse again. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Jesus is recognizing that there is a disconnection between knowing and doing. He said, I've been with you for three years. And here we have spent all this time together. And you still don't quite get it. And what now I have to demonstrate to you what, so, so I have just washed your feet. I've humbled myself. I've washed your feet as an example to you, he said. So it's one thing to observe all of this. It's another thing to do what I am doing. So if we were to maybe, and I sense his frustration here. So here's kind of what Jesus was saying. If you understand what I am telling you, then act like it. Right? If you really understand what I am telling you right now, then act like it. So Jesus here is differentiating between knowing something and doing something. He's differentiating between knowledge and application. Right? So so it seems like it was an issue then as much as it is an issue today. That we know a whole lot more than we do. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples, to his followers, to his friends, if you want to be happy, you want to be blessed, then put into practice what I am demonstrating to you. Now, it would get really uncomfortable in here if I handed out bottles of water and told you to wash your neighbor's foot, right? That's not where we're going with this, just to kind of let you breathe easy. There's a deeper truth here, and everybody breathed a sigh of relief. Jesus said, it's great that you know these things, right? And it's great that you are aware of the example that I've shown you. But let me tell you, it's going to totally change who you are if you'll begin doing these things. And when you start doing these things, then you will be blessed. So to kind of lay some groundwork here, this is the situation. Here's some context for you. Jesus Christ is sensing a tremendous amount of tension in the room. So he walks into the room. Why is there so much tension? Well, in the chapter before, in chapter 12, Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Remember that story? He rode into Jerusalem. And the people wanted to make him a king. And so everybody thinks that that the reason Jesus Christ came to earth was not to suffer and die, but was to set up his kingdom on earth right then. They thought that this was the fulfillment of the prophecies that they had read in the Old Testament, that Jesus Christ was going to come to earth and set up his kingdom right now. And so you have the mother of of, of, um, uh, the, the two disciples, they said, she comes to Jesus Christ and she says, so... When you set up your kingdom, will you let my one son sit on your right hand and my other son sit on your left? And then Jesus has this conversation with her like, lady, you do not know what you're asking. And I don't think you have the right perspective on why I am here. 
And the Bible records for us later in that chapter that the other ten disciples were upset and angry that these two disciples thought they were all that. Right? That you, you, really? You're asking if you can be number one and two right next to Jesus when he sets up his skin. So there's this tension, right? Can you feel it? So Jesus walks in to have this meal with his disciples, and they're all laying around. Because they didn't like sit in chairs back then. They kind of lounged, right? So he's lounging around, and he's looking around. And what was customary at that time was for whoever the host was, was to wash the feet of the people who had come into the house. So it was kind of like, because it's dusty and they're all wearing sandals, and it was just kind of a, 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 a way to be hospitable as they would literally wash the feet of their guest. It was kind of a formality, but it was just what you did to humble yourself as the host and make them feel welcome. We don't really have anything in our society that's similar, but other than maybe like, can I get you something to drink? Can I serve you that way? Can I, can I pour you some tea? Or can I get you something to drink? Um, can I take your jacket? I mean, it was just, it's just what guests are supposed to feel when they come into your house. And that's, that's, these, that's, that's the similar as I can get to it. So that was not being done. So Jesus is laying there kind of casual, and everybody's kind of casual. He senses the tension, and nobody is being hospitable. Nobody is willing to serve anybody else in that group. And so, Jesus, sensing the tension in the air, sees this as an opportunity to teach the disciples something. So that's kind of the context. Now, now another thing I want to look at is the timing of all of this. The previous chapter, Jesus gets exalted like he's going to become the king and we're going to set up a new kingdom. Yay, but Jesus really knows what's going to happen. Jesus really knows that in just a few short days, he's going to be put through an incredibly merciless, incredibly painful death so that he can usher in his heavenly kingdom that you and I are a part of. He was getting close to his crucifixion. Not only that, he knew that he was getting close to leaving his disciples in charge. He's handing over the future of his kingdom to these 12 men who we are today was put into the hands of these 12 men who are sitting around bickering and arguing and mad at each other. And Jesus thought, I got to, there's a lesson to be learned here because this is not how I picture the kingdom going forward. So this was an incredibly important moment in the life of Christ, in the life of his disciples, and in the life of the church. And this was the lesson that they had to learn. And that was this, that a heart of service leads to a blessed life. And he desperately wanted them to get that truth. (laughs) So Jesus teaches them for three years, and they're sitting in a room, and you could cut the tension with a knife because they're all upset at each other. There's such big egos involved here. Everything is so tense. Let me teach you something. If you don't serve one another, you miss the whole thing. 
Because the heart, a heart of service is the key to a blessed life. And what an important lesson. That should be the hallmark of Christianity. Not how holy you feel like you are. Not how much better you feel than somebody else who doesn't dress the way that you think they ought to dress. Or live the way you think they ought. That should not be what makes you who you are. And that should not be what people think about when they think of Christianity. But I hate to say it, if you ask your average American what they feel is synonymous with Christianity, they think judgment. They don't think service. They don't think love. But that ought to be the hallmark of who we are. Is not who is greater and not who is better, but who is the best servant. And I think somehow we've misled believers into thinking that coming to church and listening is enough. That being a spectator and soaking up the wonderful ambiance of the music and the service and feeling a couple goosebumps back there. That that's what it's all about. And so you walk out and you say, nice sermon, pastor. Well, most of you don't say that, but <laughs> it happened one time to a friend of mine. <laughs> so it's like, you know, when so we enjoy the experience. But friends, something, sometimes being a follower of Jesus Christ looks a lot like work. Right? Sometimes being a believer is about serving people. I know. It requires you to take what you know and do something with it, to step outside of your observation bubble and put on your work boots. And I'm so grateful that you're here. And I believe this is an important element in the life of a believer, that you come and you fellowship with each other, you hear the music, there's corporate worship, and you're hearing, but let me tell you, there are ways to do the Christian life beyond this box that we meet in that are so beneficial. And I think that you can have both. I think that you can enjoy and learn and absorb, but I also think that you ought to work and invest and pour into. You know what I found? Is the people that do don't gripe. The people that, that are busy doing and the people who are trying to meet needs and come up with solutions and take care of problems They're not the ones that are all judgmental and opinionated and complaining. And there's always exceptions. But I mean, as a general rule, as a as a young person, um, we kind of jumped around churches, and then we moved to Florida when I was going into my junior year of high school. So my mom and dad started to shop around trying to look for a church. So we went to this church 
in Newport Ritchie, Florida called Faith Baptist Church. And the first Sunday we attended, I was in the foyer walking into the auditorium and a, and a, and a, a fellow who was just a few years older than I was named John McVeigh came up and he shook my hand and introduced himself to myself, to, to me and my parents. And um, just was really friendly. So I asked my mom and dad, can we come here again next week? Because when, when you feel welcome, you want to go back. And a lot of times parents where their kids want to go, that's where you end up going because you want them to feel like there's value to church and all of that. So my mom and dad were like, okay. I don't think they really loved the church. I really don't. I, I don't think it was what they were looking for. But I was excited about going back. So then John approached me in the pew the next week and said, hey, um, my mom and dad were there. He said, would it be okay if, if Eric and I went out for pizza after church. He said, but I have this, I got to take you, I have to take a bunch of people home on my bus route first. So he would just help me on my bus route and then we'll go out to have some pizza and then I'll get him home later. My mom and dad, oh, okay, sure. I had no idea what a bus route was. I swear. I, I just, I had no idea what I was getting into. So, I don't know how much John was just trying to be my friend <laughs> or how much he just needed help, right? So I get on this bus, and there's like 30, 40 kids and a couple of adults, and we spend the next couple of hours taking them all home in the hot Florida heat. And we get back to church, and I'm exhausted, and I'm all sweaty, and we get in this car, and we go to Zabaro's at the mall. And he says, man, you did great with those kids. I just sat there. He said, I could really use your help. What are you doing next Saturday? I don't know. So long story short, that was my introduction to serving the Lord. And so he and I would go out on Saturdays and knock on doors and get folks to come to church and pick them up on Sunday, bring them into church on the bus route, and then we take them home afterwards. And I did that with him for eight or nine months, and then he went off to college. And they said, Eric, you've been doing, why don't you just take this route? I didn't even have a driver's license. Literally, my mom would drive me around on Saturday, and I'd run up to the door, knock on it, hey, is Johnny and Susie coming to church tomorrow? Great, we'll be by at 8.30, okay? Run back to the car, and I would spend two or three hours on Saturdays knocking on doors, getting people to come to church, and then I got my motorcycle license. I was the cool bus captain, and I'd ride around on the dirt roads of Moon Lake visiting and then but but let me tell you what that did for me it gave me a heart to serve because church wasn't boring to me because i was serving people i didn't roll my eyes when my mom and dad says time to get up i was up before they were there was something that it did to my heart and i believe this with all my heart that i'm in ministry today because of a heart of service that was developed in me at that age. I, I firmly believe that. And then I went off to Bible college, and in Bible college, I ran bus routes. 
It's just, it, you know, it was, it was a way to serve people that were poor and needy and dirty. And I'm not trying to stereotype. It's just, I was okay with that. I ruined a lot of ties on my bus route. I had a lot of yellow stains under my arms from sweat. I thought about that after I said it. But there was something that happened in the heart of this boy that I, there's something bigger than me. There's, there's something more important than my life. There is something that God wants me to do with my life. And I think, I think that as, as, as believers and as followers of Jesus Christ, we have become great at observing and critiquing, but not all that great at finding a need and filling it. And Jesus said, if you understand what I am telling you, then act like it. Instead of sitting in a room trying to figure out who's the most important, let me show you what Christianity looks like. He takes off his garment, he puts on a towel, and he stoops down and he serves people. And if you understand this, you'll be happy, you'll be blessed. Let's not miss it, folks. Let's not miss what this being blessed is all about. It's not just the goosebumps on the back of your neck. It's about what can I do with a life I've been given? How is your heart to serve? How responsive is it to a need? When was the last time I got any exercise? So looking back, let me just give you three quick things, and I promise there's, there's, there's not much more to my message. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate the charity laugh. <laughs> just a few things out of John chapter 13 here that just jumped out at me. The first thing is that Jesus got up from the table. Jesus got up from the table. He didn't sit back. He got up. No one asked him to. He saw a need, and he filled it. I believe this. I believe there's a time to sit at the table. That's what we're doing right now. We're all in rows. We're all being fed. But then there's a time to get up, right, and do something with everything that we're learning. To have a heart to serve, you have to be willing to be involved, to go from observing to helping. He got up, and then he stooped down. He took a towel, wrapped it around himself, and stooped down. Remember what just happened in the previous chapter. He's riding on a donkey. They're, pouring, they're, they're, they're throwing palm branches in the way, telling him he is the king of kings. We're going to set you up as the king. And now he is washing their feet. He humbled himself. And here's what's incredible. He saw beyond the act of service. He saw what this was going to instill in them. He saw what they were going to become. Because serving others is about what they can be, not necessarily about who somebody is right now. Jesus got up from the table, Jesus stooped down, and then Jesus served. Jesus filled a basin full of water. He took his towel and literally washed 
their dirty and stinky feet. And here's what you're saying. Yeah, but if I had a towel like that, I'd be able to do what he's doing. No. His towel wasn't made of silk. His towel was just a towel that was laying there. It wasn't about the towel, people. It was about the serve. It's not about what you have or what you don't have, what I have, what I don't have. It's about serving. There's a need, and I'm going to meet the need. There's a need, and God wants me to fill that need. There is something that I am created to do. And if I understand the teachings of Jesus Christ, then I better act like it. And there ought to be something that creates a desire inside of me to take what I learn sitting in rows like this and put it into practice and do something for somebody else and create in me a heart of service. I don't know what your towel looks like, but you got one. You got a towel. Hey, and if you need one, we supply it. I'm just saying, if you are like, Eric, I don't know what to do. I ain't got a towel. We will get you a towel. We are, we are happy to provide you the opportunity to serve the Lord. We are great at observing and enjoying and participating in. But we're not so good at saying, okay, let me take that a little bit further. And let me act like I understand. What you, now, a lot of you are already serving. And that's why you didn't fill them out. I get it. But that's a challenge to you. I'm throwing it down. (laughs) But my point is, there's something for you to be doing. Now, I had this conversation with Stephen earlier, and it was because it's like, I'm very careful because I know that you can serve God outside of this body of believers, and I want you to. And I say it all the time, don't I, That, that you can find a place of service here, But goodness, there are so many ways that you can get involved in this community. Just find a place of service. But he goes, Eric, why can't it be both? If you have a heart to serve, you'll find something to do in this body of believers. But you'll also be aware of what the need is out there and serve. So maybe it doesn't have to be one or the other. Maybe it's just the fact that you are a servant and you find a place to serve wherever you are. It's kind of, let me tell you how this affects your relationships with people. People will always appreciate it when you serve them. When, 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 let me tell you, it, it can transform your marriage. It can transform the relationship you have with your children. Imagine this, if you cared enough about your children to serve your kids and all the teenagers that are in here like, yeah. Let me make you a list. <laughs> My point is, it, it revolutionizes. It transforms relationships when you learn to serve the other person. And you're willing to humble yourself. When it was all done, and Jesus puts his garment back on, lays the towel down, puts the base, and I guess he has to dump the water outside. And he goes, he sits down. He looks at him and says, if you understood what I just did, 
and you'll do it, then you'll be happy. But if you don't, you're not going to be blessed. I'm reading a book right now I, called Servolution, about how a church in, in Louisiana is just, that's been their DNA from the beginning just to serve their community. It's, it's something that is really speaking to my heart. And I wrote down something that I read that I wanted to share with you. He said this. He said, we are nothing. He is everything. He became nothing and served us as though we were something. He laid down his everything for our nothing. And here it is. How much more should we, being nothing, serve those he considers to be something worth everything? Folks, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's how you perceive yourself. And you have so much value to Jesus Christ, but he puts you here for a purpose. So here's your challenge this week. Your challenge this week is to find something to do. Find a need. If you need ideas, if you need a towel, let us know. We're happy to provide you opportunities for service. And listen, we want it to be something that is soul-feeding to you, that you enjoy. And so whatever your personality type is or whatever you feel like you'd be comfortable doing, I think there is a place of service for every believer. I genuinely mean that. And it does something to your heart. And when you get it and you're doing something for others, It changes who you are fundamentally as a person. And Jesus Christ knew that. And he said, that's what I want my church to look like going forward. Is a church of doers, a church of servers. And it makes all the difference. So whether it's here or a need in our community or both, ask God to show you what it is he wants you to serve in. And... If he doesn't answer you right away, just jump in somewhere. He'll be okay with that. Because it's a lot easier to steer a moving car than a parked one, right? Right? So if you're heading in a direction, it's a lot easier for God to point you in the right one rather than just if you're just stationary and not going anywhere. So my suggestion is pray about it, keep your eyes open, look for a need to fill, get busy doing something, and then let God direct you the right direction. Because I believe this with all my heart, that a heart of service is the key to a blessed life. And I want you to be a happy Christian. And I want that to be who we are as a body of believers. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for you and for the sacrifice and your willingness to be a servant and and come to earth. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul details what that looked like. And then what happened afterwards, you were exalted. I pray, Father, we'd follow your example, and that you'd create in us a heart of service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.